I gotta give thanks. You know, I never really met nobody who was truly successful that wasn't thankful. For the good and the bad. It made me who I am. Straight up. Look. When it get this dark, you gotta feel your way out. They tried to bury me alive, I killed Bill my way out. Letting go of grudges that I used to feel away about. Cause some emotions are too taxing to keep paying out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And what we'll start is this. So, one of the most important times in the NBA season is the trade deadline. This is where teams like to get off of players that may have big contracts maybe disgruntled players get to move on to another team the the nba trade deadline is huge for a lot of reasons it can change the fortunes of a franchise kind of like the yeah the nba draft kind of like nfl draft nba trade deadline can can add or subtract to a team's i guess pursuit of a championship and that's where we start. I'm not going to dissect every single move, uh, move because this year, more than a lot of other years, this year was ex- extremely active when we talk about the trade deadline. There wasn't too many huge, huge names that, that got off the market, but there were pretty big pieces that were influential in winning. Let's say that. So... I guess what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, some of the best moves and some of the worst moves or moves that kind of was head scratching to me, I guess. And we'll start with the biggest, the biggest trade deadline move, which was Rajon Rondo going to the Clippers for Lou Williams. We know that especially last season or yeah, after the, after the NBA championship, the Clippers wanted Rajon Rondo bad. We saw how successful Rajon Rondo. Whoa, <laughs> we saw how successful Rajon Rondo was on the Lakers. Of course, he won a championship, and how important he was for the Lakers. And one thing that is not that's no secret in the NBA is the Clippers need a point guard, a pure point guard. Yes, you have Patrick Beverly. Yeah, you kind of had uh, Lou Williams, but He's not a there neither of them are a pure point guard. Patrick Beverly's really good defensively, but he's not good enough to carry any type of offense or he doesn't really have an offensive package. And Lou Williams is on the complete opposite side. He is incredibly efficient offensively, but he is not good defensively like at all. And the thing is the reason why you don't, the Clippers this this year's Clippers is different from last year's is not only did they not ultimately reach their success or reach their goal, let's say that, in winning a championship, there was a lot of turmoil in the locker room between Kawhi Leonard, between Paul, oof, between Paul George, between Montrez Harold, who's now on the Lakers, and between uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. There was just a lot of turmoil. And that's why you see Montrez Harold on a different team. That's why you see... Uh, or that's why you heard a lot of rumblings about they didn't like the treatment that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were getting. They didn't feel like they needed them. You know, it was just a lot going on. And what Ray John Rondo does is 
while Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are extremely good players, they're, I think they're superstars in my opinion. I know a lot of people have a lot to say about Paul George, but I think they're superstars in my opinion. They're not leaders. Kawhi Leonard's not a vocal leader. Paul George, you can say he's kind of a vocal leader, but people don't really follow him like he's a leader. Rajon Rondo is a leader. Rajon Rondo will be able to bring some leadership, uh, some controls to that locker room, or some, some, yeah, I guess leadership, some leadership to the locker room. And it solves their biggest problem, which is, the Clippers did not have a point a, a point guard that can control the floor, that can lead, that can orchestrate an offense. Pat, Patrick Beverly's not doing that. No other point guard on their on their roster was doing that. So I think that Rajon Rondo is a huge move for the Clippers. Now, you know, we understand that uh they kind of, they kind of put their foot in the water with Kyle Lowry in the last minute uh, or last few minutes of the um, trade deadline, but I'm not saying that it's going to win them a championship. I think that they're good enough to win a championship, but I do think that Rajon, adding Rajon Rondo just puts another step into getting a championship. I understand losing, losing Lou Williams, especially coming off the bench, is huge, but you still have pieces that are solid and your biggest weakness has been filled, which is the point guard position. So I think Rajon Rondo to the Clippers was a huge move and actually one of the best moves uh, at the trade deadline. Another good move was Aaron Gordon to Denver. This is a good move on a on a on a plethora of of of, of there, there's a reason why this is a good move on so many aspects. One aspect is this: Aaron Gordon. Of course, we realize Aaron Gordon's been on the Magic for his entire career. And what we've realized is Aaron Gordon is a really good player. He's really good, but he's not a leader. He's not a person. His talents are not good enough to lead a team. He cannot be a team's number one. And honestly, I don't even know if he can be a team's number two and that team be championship bound. But when you put him on a team with the Nikola Jokic, when you put him on a team with the Jamal Murray, when you put him on a team with the pieces that Denver has, he is uh, he's an incredible piece for them. And while he's not the greatest scorer, he is an athletic big man-ish. I guess you can call him big man, but he, he plays power forward-ish. He's an athletic big man that can, that can kind of play alongside Nikola Jokic, which is huge. This is also big for Denver because they didn't have to give when you get a player of when you get a player as good as Aaron Gordon. Now I'm not saying he's a superstar or anything, but when you get a player as good as Aaron Gordon, you're usually going to have to give up someone big. So when I saw that Aaron Gordon went to Denver, I was expecting him to give up a young uh, a young promising player in uh what? Michael Carter Williams, I mean Michael Porter Jr., maybe Bowl Bowl, but they didn't have to give any of that. They they gave up like Gary Gary Harris, who the relationship between Harris and Denver it's kind of been kind of been rocky ever since you know Gary Harris has dealt with a lot of injury and his his improvement hasn't gone how Denver liked and like a couple draft picks, but 
I thought that they would have to give up more. They they came out really well getting the player like Aaron Gordon with the pieces that you have. Like I think Will Barton, they had to give up Will Barton as well, but Aaron Gordon with Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, uh Michael Porter Jr., like that's a really good team. And that team, that team got a whole lot better with the cuz Aaron Gordon doesn't like he isn't like a superstar player, but you adding a piece like Aaron Gordon, the problem with Aaron Gordon is he's been buried in Orlando for so long. People don't really know how good he is. Or people see the dunks, they see the highlights, they see the all-star game dunk or all-star weekend dunks, and people think that's all he is. While he does need to improve on his offensive game, Aaron Gordon is still a solid piece, and Denver really did well with getting Aaron Gordon. I think that I think I think I I don't know if they're good enough to you know make it to a championship, but that does give a body that you can throw at an Anthony Davis. You can throw at a LeBron James from time to time. You can throw at a Kawhi Leonard. So it, it, it was a really good piece for Denver getting Aaron Gordon. Another good move was uh Nikola Vucevic to to Chicago. I've said this time and time again. There's a difference between being good and having good players. Chicago has not been good, but they have an all-star in Zach Levine, and now you pair him with another all-star in Vucevic. And, 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 and kind of like Aaron Gordon, because he plays for Orlando and they lose a lot, you don't really see, but Vucevic is one of the best centers in the league. And while I don't know what Chicago's doing in the short term, I do know that if you are trying to have building pieces, Zach Levine and Vucevic are really good building pieces. So I think adding a player like Vucevic definitely could draw some players to Chicago if that's what you're trying to do. Again, I don't I don't think and I'm almost sure actually that this move doesn't this move isn't like you're not going to win championship off this move right now but this is a good building this is a good build there there now you have two all-stars you have two all-stars on the team and they both play two different positions and they both occupy two different places on the floor so i think that it's you know it's it's exciting to see what Chicago's doing. I think that was a big move for Chicago. Another move actually, which we'll kind of we'll, we'll kind of speak on this is Evan Fournier uh, Fournier to Boston. Now, I'm going to speak on this first. People are killing Orlando, like killing Orlando. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Orlando's being incredibly smart. They're 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 going to blow it up yet again and going to re you know, rebuild. And here's the thing, I, and I've said this time and time again as well. I Look, how long can a team really rebuild? You know, it's like at some point something has to give. Now, I, if you're going to rebuild, I, I, I understand what they're doing in terms of if they're going to rebuild, just have everyone go, have all your best pieces, get draft picks, do what you got to do. Boom. But how long are you going to rebuild? It's like at some point you have you have to turn the corner. You look at someone like Chicago while you have two super I mean two uh, all-stars now. They've been rebuilding since D Rose left. 
if you look at Orlando, they've been rebuilding since Dwight Howard left. And for my younger listeners and viewers out there, a lot of people don't remember that Dwight Howard was on Orlando. It's like at some point, the rebuild, you have to you have to see progress in the rebuild. And if you don't, then you're doing something wrong. But go back to what I like about the move. I do like Aaron Evan Fournier to Boston because it gives Boston another score outside of Jalen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Now, I don't think it addresses Boston's biggest problem, which is their lack of an inside center. But I do like the fact that outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they don't really have a lot of they don't really have a score that can that can kind of level you know keep the ship afloat when they're when either one of them's off the floor. And while Evan Fournier is not a good defender like that, he will be able to at least you know he will be able to keep keep the ship afloat when uh, in the scoring because he can score. I mean, he had a game winner the other day, so. You know, he, he, he's a good piece for them. Again, it doesn't address their biggest problem, but, you know, there's that. Uh, of course, the the other big name that ha- that happened was Victor Oladipo and Bitsalitsa uh, goes to Miami. And this is huge. Miami has made some big moves, and we'll talk about Miami in a minute when we talk about the buyout market, but Miami has made some big moves, man. Now you have... J- one one of the biggest problems with Miami is their their scoring ability. Yes, you have Tyler Tyler Johnson or Tyler uh yeah Tyler Tyler Euro. I'm sorry. Yes, you have Tyler Euro who can shoot the ball really well. You have Duncan Robinson who can shoot the ball really well. But neither one of them can really put the ball on the ground and create a shot. And while Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, is a superstar. He isn't a superstar as terms of he's a superstar because of his defense and because of his his drive and his his leadership ability but he's not a player that you can rely on to give you 20 25 points a game and while bam out of bio was really good he, he's also not a, a a person that can put the ball on the ground every possession you need him to and and go get you a bucket victor ladipo is that yeah, I, I understand what we saw in Houston has been bad, but hell, Houston all around is just bad. I mean, I pray John Wall finds some sanct- some sanctity in Houston, but Victor Oladipo can go get you 20, 25 points a game. And I'm not saying that he, he he they need him to get 25 points, but those possessions where you you have some you need someone to go put the ball on the ground and Get you a basket. Victor Oladipo could do that. And Bielitsa, while he is a he he is a, a a bigger player, he can shoot the ball really well too. So this just adds to you know Pat Riley and Houston and not Houston <laughs> and uh, Miami and how good they are not only with the tra- uh, trade deadline but with the buyout market. And of course, we'll talk about the buyout market in a second. But those are those are a few moves that I, I did like. Um, I mean, I'm not going to talk about all of them, of course. J.J. Reddick to the Mavs was pretty good. I think that it gives them another shooter, especially with Seth Curry being out right now. Um, yeah, man. I, yeah, I like those moves. So here are some moves that I don't really like. And now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I hate 
these moves, but there are some moves that I, I just I don't like because of certain reasons. Now talk about them. The first move is George Hill to the 76ers. No, George. Oh wait. <laughs> no, George Hill is not a bad player, and no, George Hill. And yes, George Hill will help the 76ers, especially at the point guard position. But the reason why I don't like this move is because all you heard, and I understand that it takes two to make a deal, but all you heard was Kyle Lowry to Philly, Kyle Lowry to Philly, Kyle Lowry to Philly. Hell, he's from Philadelphia, went to Villanova, Kyle Lowry to Philly. And Kyle Lowry would be a better piece than George Hill. Now, if George Hill is all that you can get, then A, it is what it is. But I think that Kyle Lowry would be better for a Philadelphia 76ers than a George Hill. And it kind of feels like the Andy Dalton type situation. You know, all we heard was we're going for Russell Wilson. We're going for Russell Wilson. That is Chicago. We're going for Russell Wilson. Go for Russell Wilson. And all of a sudden you see the report saying they get Andy Dalton. It kind of feels like the same situation. And while, again, George Hill is a good player, he's not the greatest, but he's a good player, and he will be an upgrade to the position, I do think that it is sort of a letdown, seeing as though all we heard was Kyle Lowry was getting moved to Philly. So Another move, I'm not going to say I don't like it. It's just a move that I have to see. I have to see where this what this matriculates into, and that is Norman Powell to Portland. And the reason why I, I need to see is because you gave up Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Two players that can if you really put if you put on it look, I understand that Gary Trent Jr. he's been struggling this season, like with his shot. I, I'm not gonna say the season. He's been struggling the last few weeks with his shot and Rodney Hood is a up and down player. And while Josh Norman has improved a score, it's like you're not really getting that much more than the other. Like, yeah, you get, you know, Gary, Gary Trent Jr. was a fan favorite. Uh, and Norman Powell, let me, let me say it like this. If we're getting the Norman Powell that we've seen this season and, and, and you know, the 19-point-a-game the score, then this is really good for Portland. However, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help their biggest flaws. And that's the same thing that we talked about with Boston. While I like the move with Aaron, Evan Fournier, it doesn't help Boston's biggest problem, which is a big man. Portland's biggest problem is they don't play defense. Like, they're, none of their players play defense outside of Robert Covington. And Norman Powell doesn't play defense either. Norman Powell was a bona fide scorer. And then now you add that with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, who's come back, uh, and now uh, what? Carmelo Anthony and it just it just doesn't again I understand it gives you another score another person that can put the ball to the ground and score but you already have that and you don't need that and, the, and you gave up a player that would be good for the bench like I you get I don't know I, again I have to see it it this could be a really good move or it could just be a really pointless move a pointless move that cost Denver, I mean, cost Portland some money. So I don't, I don't, it's just something I'm going to have to wait and see. Um, another move, and I, and I just talked about this, but I'll talk about it again, is Aaron Gordon to Denver. Now, wait, I know you're like, wait, Jay, wait, Aaron, you just said you like the move. I love the move. 
What I don't like is f- that Orlando only got Gary Harris and RJ Hampton. I don't like uh, it's just it doesn't make sense to me. Aaron Gordon is a is a top I'll say 50. Aaron Gordon is a top 50 player in the league. And you're putting him on a team that had Jamal Murray, that had Nikola Jokic, that had Michael Porter Jr., who's a young, promising player, that had Bo Bo, who's a young, promising player, that had multiple pieces. And the only thing that you're getting out of this is Gary Harris, who has an injury problem, and R.J. Hampton, which we're yet to see, like we have to see what he's going to matriculate into. It just doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. So... I love the move Aaron Gordon to Denver. I just don't like the fact that <laughs> Orlando got n- – I'm not going to say nothing because Gary Harris is cool but and, and Jar Jar Hampton's cool, but they didn't get they, – they, they got fleece. Let's say that. They got fleece. So there's that. Uh, another move I didn't like, and I didn't like this for a personal reason. Washington trades Troy Brown and Mo Wagner for Chandler Hutchinson and – Daniel Gareff, Garford, Garford, whatever his name is. Here's the thing. On the surface, this looks like a good move. I mean, Washington has not done good. They they've kind of lost faith on Troy Brown and Mo. Well, Troy Brown and Mo Wagner is a piece that they can move, and then you get two pretty young pieces and and pr- promising pieces. Here's the thing that I don't like though. And this has nothing to do with the trade as much as it has to do with the organization that is Washington. Washington has already shown the lack of ability to develop young players. Troy Brown's not bad. It's just they they could not develop him. And Mo Wagner, they just got Mo Wagner. So it's like, how do what makes me think that they're going to do the same thing for Chandler Hutchinson and Daniel Gareford? If they couldn't do it with Troy Brown, like it doesn't make sense to me. It's like now I'll say this. If they do develop them because these are two young pieces, if they do develop them pretty well, then I'll, you know, I'll come on here and say I was wrong. But I have not seen them have an ability to develop young players like the the, you could say, what about Rui? Rui about Rui? But Rui was a third or fourth overall draft pick, maybe fifth. Oh, no, I think it was ninth. He was like a, a top overall draft pick, man. Like, you don't really need much. Not to mention you're, you're playing alongside Bradley Bill. You don't. It is what it is, bro. If, they, if they're able to develop him or develop the two players, then, then great. But they haven't shown the ability to be able to. So, I guess we got to see. And the last thing is OKC, which a lot of people's like, wow, this is crazy. But OKC has 30 four draft picks over the next seven years now on service it looks good like okay 34 draft picks let's get it boom bada bing bada boom the problem is this they're just draft picks at this point and nobody is nobody's talking like nobody nothing is guaranteed that these draft picks will will bloom into anything so it's like you have 34 draft picks on a on a roster with with 15 rosters, I mean, what, 12 roster spots. It's like, at some point, you got to turn these draft picks into something. These draft picks have to be something, and they have to be good players. If not, 
you're gonna look up and realize you had James Harden, you had Russell Westbrook, you had um Kevin Durant, you had Paul George, you had Carmelo Anthony, you had Victor Oladipo, and you had Chris and you had Chris Paul, and now you have what outside of Shea Gilders Alexander, who's a really good player, you don't really have much, and you, all you have is draft picks. So these draft picks better hit on some, and when I say hit on some, either you trade them for really big, really good pieces, or you just got young players, and you're you're gonna be in the rebuilding stage for God knows how long with a good player like Shea Gilders Alexander, but. With a player that good, how long do you really have with him if you don't see any improvement? So, though you know that was the trade deadline. It, it there was there was a couple pieces. You know, Kyle Lowry, uh, that was a big name that everyone was waiting to see where he was going to go uh, with the trade. However, it turns out he didn't go anywhere uh, because I mean, I guess the 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 biggest name, the biggest team, I'll say that was looking for Kyle Lowry was the Lakers, but they weren't trying to add THT, which <laughs> I guess, I mean, if you're saying he's the future and he's had some promising signs, but Kyle Lowry addresses your biggest weakness, which is a pure point guard. And if THT is, is the holdup, I guess, <laughs> but Kelly Oubre was another name that was out there, but, I know, oh, I know. Golden State wants to keep, wants him because he's he's been really good for Golden State, but they don't know if they can afford him after this year. So that was understandable. And Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball was another name I thought that was going to end up with the Clippers. Uh, you heard all the stuff that Levar Ball said, and then you know he's on the trade market. Alonzo Ball would have been really good for the Clippers as that pure point guard and the point guard, by the way, who isn't really looking to score. Uh, especially when you have a Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but those are, you know, that was the trade deadline. It's it's always some. I'm not gonna say always because there are the there are years when nothing really happens. But this year, more than any other year in recent memory, a lot happened. And I think that's because, you know, we just came off a pandemic. Players are unhappy. Some players have big contracts that they're trying to get off, and you know. It, it was exciting to see movement, and it was a lot of movement at the trade deadline. So, there's that. And then the the I said the trade deadline was probably one of the most important times of of the NBA season. The other one of the most important times of the season is the buyout market. The buyout market has single handedly changed some. The buyout market to me is more is more important than the trade deadline because buyout market you don't really need to change your team and get a top-notch player and when i say top-notch player i'm not saying let me not say that because usually top-notch players aren't going to be on the buyout market but you're getting either uh savvy veterans you're getting players that are disgruntled at their at the, on their at their teams and they might not be in their prime but they're still pretty good or you might get players that uh that just just isn't working out and the buyout market is really big for especially teams really big for teams that are competing for a championship because that you're able like i said you don't really have to give up many pieces actually you don't have, have to give up any pieces to get these players if you want them and they agree to a contract 
in the bio market, the, the the two most important pieces right now in the bio market is Andre Drummond and Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus Aldridge, I think he's been with been with the Spurs for like five six years now, and it just it hasn't matriculated into winning. So he wanted he wanted to leave, and from what being reported. His destination more than likely is going to be Miami, which is another huge move for Miami because it gives Bam Adebayo a, a decent backup, or you can play them alongside each other. How you want to do that, and it gives him a you know a, a veteran presence that plays the same position as him. And then Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond probably is the biggest um, buyout market uh, asset that's out there right now. You're hearing teams like Lakers trying to get him, Brooklyn trying to get him, um, Golden State looking at him. It's just like a lot. Andre Drummond is a big piece, and he's still young. That's the most important thing. He's still young, and he's still productive. It's just you know, it just it just didn't work out in Detroit, and it didn't work out in Cleveland. So it's just like it is what it is. They're they're saying that uh, I don't know. I don't I honestly don't know where these players are going. But they are saying that uh, – what are they saying? <laughs> They're saying that the Lakers are probably number one in the Andre Drummond sweepstakes. But I think Andre Drummond would be probably more beneficial if you went to like a, a, a New York Knicks or – I don't know. I don't know. I know that teams like we're, we're seeing what the Brooklyn Nets are, are building. And, of course, the Lakers with LeBron and AD um, – I don't know. I think I, I think again the bio market is really huge, and it, you're you're gonna see players like I said, you, you, like Lamarcus Aldridge, like Andre Drummond. Don't be surprised if we see um, I don't know if we see maybe a Derrick Rose in the bio market. If we see really really good players hit the market, especially with you know teams kind of strapped for cash with the with the pandemic and everything, so. That's that, man. Let's move over to NFL. There's not really, there really wasn't much that happened, but this happened yesterday. The Dolphins traded a number three overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the 12th overall pick and a bunch of other picks, and then they trade the 12th overall pick to the Eagles for the sixth pick in the in a fifth rounder. This is big on three levels. Let's talk about the 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 Dolphins level. The Dolphins move from the third pick to pretty much the sixth pick. And that means a couple things. That means, A, they have more faith in Tua than we think. Actually, you know what? No. Let's say this. It means a couple things. It could mean that they have faith in Tua and you and the quarterback that they're looking for, if they draft a quarterback, is it's not, I mean, ain't going to be a third or you don't need a quarterback. So why don't we just move down? Cause the pick that we want will be in sixth or it could mean, all right, well we get, they got a lot back for this piece for the, for the third overall pick and our third overall selection. And while we might not trust Tua, the quarterback that we are looking for, maybe a, a Zach Wilson, maybe a Justin Fields, maybe a Trey Lance, he will be. They will be sitting at sixth. So why don't we just go get him at sixth and and get all these pieces? 
So it could mean that they trust Tua more than a lot of people think they do, or it could mean that the player that they want ain't is going to be there at six. So there's no point of keeping three. For the San Francisco 49ers, this means one of two things. This means, okay, now now report came out saying that they have no indication or no, they're not going to trade Jimmy G. Okay, here's the thing, though. Usually teams, especially in a, in a draft like this where next year the draft isn't, especially in the quarterback position, it's not going to be good. And this year you got a lot of good quarterbacks at the top. You also have a lot of good uh, offensive linemen. You have a good tight end who can play pretty much tight end. He, he, he's kind of like a Darren Waller type tight end in Kyle Pitts. Uh, but this means one of two things for San Francisco. This means, A, you're going to – you trust Jimmy G and you're going to give him offensive line help. You're going to get him a, maybe another piece uh, like, a, like a Kyle Pitts. Um and that would that would be understandable because, like I said, Jimmy G, what, just two years ago, two or three years ago, got you to a Super Bowl. So, or it could mean that they really don't trust Jimmy G and they're going, the, they know that where they're sitting at, they're not going to get the uh, a quarterback that can at least help, you know, change a franchise moving forward if they want to move off of Jimmy G. Because, what, you're sitting at 12th, you're not going to get a Trey Lance. You're not going to get a, a Zach Wilson. You're not going to get a Justin Fields. And we all know no one outside of the number one overall pick is getting Trevor Lawrence. So, it you know, it it, it, it makes sense. It, it makes it, – it's either one of two things for San Francisco. Now for the Eagles, and here's the thing with the Eagles, man. I, I don't know what the Eagles are doing. You trade away – okay. So Carson Wentz is not good last year. I get it. Carson Wentz isn't good. And, you know, it. you have a quarterback competition and Jalen Hurts wins out. You trade Carson Wentz to Indianapolis Colts. Then you, instead of embracing your new quarterback, you say, you know, quarterback battle. So I don't know what the Eagles are doing. I really don't. I, I don't I don't understand it. it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Because it just doesn't it doesn't really show being competent. It really doesn't because I I just don't I don't understand like what they're doing with their offense. Now you're telling Zach Ertz to seek a trade instead of just releasing him. I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know. It's it's not a good run franchise right now. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. But it is what it is. Um, this has been a short episode. And this is this is the last thing. I'm, this is the last topic. Uh, there's a difference between reality and perception sometimes. The reality. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson for a second. There, there's two sides of a coin, but it's still on that one coin. While yes, Lamar Jackson's an incredible runner. Yes, Lamar Jackson is electric and dynamic and one of the better quarterbacks in the league. The perception is he is not able to throw the ball. And you're start you're seeing that because and you're and you're starting to see that per, the perception is starting to take a precedent 
or it's starting to be bigger than reality because if you look at this free agent market, they're not able to acquire any wide receivers. Honestly, they they try to get Juju Smith-Schuster. He he went back to uh, Steelers. They tried to get T.J. Watt or no uh, T.Y. Hilton. He went back to the Colts. They haven't been able to attract a wide receiver, and we know that. <laughs> We know that Baltimore's biggest problem is they don't have a wide receiver, like a number one wide receiver. Yeah, you have Hollywood Brown. We're going to see what they're going to do with uh, Des Bryant, but Des Bryant isn't a number one anymore. Boinkins, no. Here's the thing. Don't let success cloud needs. While Baltimore has been successful, you know, Lamar Jackson's won an MVP. They, their offense has been electric since he's gotten there. Uh, they made it to the playoffs, even though they lost the first and first game the first time, and the second game the second time. He was a starter. Don't let success cloud needs. Greg Roman has been stubborn when it comes to change has been stubborn when it comes to uh, being adaptable. He has not adapted well. There's players that have said that, players both former and present that have said that Greg Roman still runs the same plays since that he's ran with Cam Newton and, 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 uh, and um, what's his name? Colin Kaepernick. This is 2021, and you have Lamar Jackson, and the league is kind of caught up to those type of quarterbacks. Not saying Lamar Jackson's not good, not saying Lamar Jackson's not, the, not one of the best, but do not let success cloud needs. Yes, you can be successful in the regular season. And I, Marcus Spears says this a lot, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. If you don't, if the if the Ravens do not develop a passing game, I'm not saying, and, and, and this is where I said perception sometimes is different from reality. Lamar Jackson is a good thrower of the football. While he isn't the greatest, and while he does need to improve at throwing the football, Lamar Jackson is still a good thrower of the football. But he does need to develop a better passing game. The Ravens, in as a whole, need to develop a passing game, which means you can't go into free agency and and ask wide receivers or look for wide receivers who are good in at blocking. First and foremost, I have never ever heard a recruit recruitment for a wide receiver and say, "Yo, you need to be really good at blocking." I've <laughs> I've never heard that. And the Baltimore Ravens will only be as good as their passing game takes them. I know it sounds crazy because you have Lamar Jackson. You have the the whole offense is geared around running the ball. Hell, the last two years, he's been the, the, the starter as a quarterback. They've rushed more than anybody in the league by a country mile. But... That catches up with you in the playoffs, which is why they haven't had a lot of playoff success. If they do not improve the passing game, they will not get to the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. 
Look at every single Super Bowl winner in the past, I don't know, 15 years. All of them have a top five passing game. I'm just saying, all of them have a top 10 passing game. The Ravens are at the bottom 5% every year. Greg Roman, you're going... You're gonna have to. Div- I understand. I understand. You don't want to. Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. He just had. It's not his first instinct. But you have. I mean, he's your franchise quarterback. You have to teach him how to do it because he's not a bad thrower. I've seen this man flick the ball like, and the don't go 50, 60 yards. So he can throw the ball. It's just you have to work on his accuracy, work on his timing, work on everything you need to work on. But he can throw the ball. But if you do not develop a passing game, you will not succeed. Yes, you your defense can be incredible. But if your offense is only relied on running the ball, it makes it easy to defend. And that's why the Ravens are only going to be as successful as their passing game takes them. And at that, that has been this week's episode as the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate everyone listening. I appreciate everyone watching. Please subscribe. It would definitely mean a lot to me. If you want Unpopular Podcast merch, I have hoodies, I have sweaters, I have shirts, long sleeves. Go check it. The link is in the bio. But again, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Until next time, much love. The hottest, hottest under the sun. Nobody fucking with me, man. You already know that pimpin'. Cash money, practice what dreams come true. Fuck up my dreams. Somebody gon' die tonight. You already know that pimpin'. Hey, it's cash money, records, man, a lawless game. Unfucking believable. Little Wayne's the president. Fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. Even if they celebrate, I know the game is crazy. It's more crazy than it's ever been. I'm married to that crazy bitch. Call me Kevin Federline. It's obvious that he'll be cash money till the death of him. The ground shall break when they bury him. Bury him. I know one day they gotta bury him. Better lock my casket tight, baby, so I don't let the devil in. People eat just me and my guitar. Yeah, bitch, I'm having meddling. You can get the fucking leg. Zeppelin. Niggas is bitches, bitches, I think they full of estrogen And we hold court and take your life for a settlement Yes, I'm the best, and no, I ain't positive, I'm definite I know the game like I'm reffing it This is the God of the God of three, the New Testament And I'm the God, and this is what I bless them with Bitch, I'm me, I'm me Mr. Ronald Williams, to you, I shall 
forever give thanks like a pilgrim. Cash money, million, heir to the throne. Going at their heads like hair in a comb. Sitting by the window, I just stare at the stone. No, I'ma get through it like hair in a comb. Y'all money over bitches, my niggas trust my senses. And I will take a desert as the Lord is my witness. And you all have witnessed, but I am not finished. So keep your mouth closed and let your eyes listen. Bitch, I'm me, I'm me, I'm me, baby, I'm me, so who you, you're not me, you're not me, and I know that ain't fair, but I don't care, I'm a motherfucking cash money millionaire, I know that ain't fair, but I don't care, I'm still a motherfucking cash money millionaire, bitch. Last year they had the Grammys and left me in Miami Sleeping on a nigga like I'm rapping in my jammies I'm rapping when you sleep, I was rapping when you were in jammies Mel Gibson flow, lethal weapon, book him Danny I'm a monster, I tell you, Monster Wayne I have just swallowed the key to the house of pain Now I'm stuck here to deal with the house's pain Fuck with me, I would peel like the house's pain Let's go, niggas don't want see me cause I'm better in both when I'm 70 years old That's when I can't hold my shit within So I shit on myself Cause I'm so sick and tired of shit on everybody else I'm trying to tell you like I'm saying something I'm from the dirty like the bottom of my pants cuff And now nothing gonna stop me So just envy it Hey, I'll accept the friendly quit <laughs> Yeah, I'm me I'm me Bitch, I'm me